0: God bless you, and uh, it's wonderful to be here. I consider it an honor and a privilege. I'd like to pray before we get started. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Uh, God, we thank you for your word. We pray a blessing on your word today, God. I pray that, that I would be completely removed and out of the way, Lord, that your voice would speak, your words would be heard. God, that your word would pierce darkness sharper than any two-edged sword, that it would penetrate into the marrow and decipher, Lord, between truth and untruth. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your many, many blessings. And the church of Jesus Christ said, amen. Amen. Isn't Jesus more than enough? Isn't he more than enough? Um, I typically don't like to stick to my notes too much. I'd, I'd rather just kind of talk about a topic and, and, uh, and teach and preach and, and allow, allow the, the Holy Spirit uh, to just say what he wants to say. We have so much to cover today, um, so I am going to, to get this thing off the ground with a text verse, and then we're gonna move quickly through our notes. So if you're a note taker, go ahead and pull your, your phone out or your pen, your pencil. There's gonna be a lot to talk about today. Um, and we're gonna begin, begin with uh, wisdom versus folly. As you know, uh, Pastor Reagan mentioned that we are in a series entitled "No Fear." In other words, know the fear of God. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wit of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Does anyone want wisdom, knowledge and insight this morning? That comes with the fear of the Lord. That comes with understanding the fear of the Lord. For, me, for by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. Interestingly enough, the, the writer of this passage moves down a couple of verses and he contrasts wisdom with folly. In the world that we live in today, it's very, very easy to see folly and wisdom. It's easy to see folly uh, standing standing naked in the street, so to speak. Foolishness. That's what folly means. And the writer actually takes these two terms and contrasts them here. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. Foolishness knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. Calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Mind you, I- envision this. Foolishness, the writer is so good here. Foolishness sitting and she's trying to pick off who? Those who are going straight on their way. And she's yelling at the top, at the top of her voice. She's loud, she's boisterous. Foolishness and deception are everywhere. And they're attempting to take us off track every moment of every day. Those who are going straight and on their way. How about this? Passive aggressive. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Whoever is simple. In other words, God's saying, we don't, we don't need to be so simple that we're fooled. We need doctrine. We need understanding. We need the fear of the Lord. And to him who lacks sense, another passive aggressive shot. Actually, it's aggressive, to be honest with you. To him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol, which in ancient times was a place for people uh, when they died. It was was an imaginary spot. So you've got wisdom, which we all desire to have. You've got folly that opposes that. And the Hebrew word for wisdom today, and the definition is chakma. Just to wake everybody up, everybody say chakma. 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 There you go. You guys got it. First shot. We want to be a person of reason, right? We want to be people of intelligence. When we talk about wisdom, we want to be people of understanding. You know the proverb, and all of you are getting, get understanding. We want to be people of prudence, of comprehension. Not just information, but comprehending it and digesting it. Insight. In knowledge, this is, These are the things that we want to be when we grow up. And I've heard it said that wisdom is knowing when to apply knowledge. How many of you know that it's not just the information and the knowledge? A lot of times it's knowing when to use it. Those of you who have been married for a while understand that perfectly. Right? 31 years in says, I don't walk into the door and say, um, when are you going to make dinner? That's folly. That, is, that has not worked. I've never tried that, to be honest with you. I know what would happen. What are we gonna do for dinner, right? That's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's more along the, more along the lines of where we, where we need to be. And wisdom is clearly a spiritual component. It has a spiritual component. And the Bible tells us that the fear of God leads us to wisdom. In other words, we can't really have true wisdom without a clear understanding of the fear of the Lord. So let's talk about folly and foolishness for a minute. Wow, right? Foolishness, the root of it really is deception. The enemy, the enemy does not have creative power. He does not, Satan does not have, he can't create things. God is the creator, but what he can do is he can deceive you. He uses deception, he uses lies, he comes on the scene, sits on your shoulder, tells you you're not good enough, Tells you you'll never make it. Tells you all those church people that said all those things about you that time. Everybody got church hurt. Everybody in here has probably been hurt by, by a Christian before. That doesn't matter. What God says about you is what matters. A third of the angels, here you go. A third of the angels, this is how powerful his deception is. In the presence of Almighty God a third of the created beings decided that they were going to leave the splendor of heaven. That's powerful. That's powerful. And that is one of the reasons that we have to have sound doctrine, the fear of the Lord, and we have to understand clearly who God is so that we don't fall for deception. The fear of the Lord is our first safeguard against falling into deception. All right, let's do a quick wisdom versus folly quiz. You guys in? All right, here we go. Here we go. Um, when I, I'm gonna give you the concept and you tell me whether it's wisdom or folly. Okay, pretty simple game, simple game. Um, look both ways at a four-way stop. Wisdom, that was weak, but it is wise. If you raise five kids, that's one of the first things you tell them when you give them the keys. La, look both ways. When it turns green, don't just floor it. Wisdom. All right, let's try another one. Check your bag at Chick-fil-A in the drive-through before you leave for your sauces. (laughs) Wisdom. You get home with some waffle fries and nothing to dip them in, it's apocalyptic. My kids, I've done that before and I can deal with it, I'll just get some ketchup out of the refrigerator. Boy, you come home without their sauce, You would think. Hmm. All right, let's try another one. Reagan helping joy with dinner. If you, were, if you were here last week, you understand that. Let's try another one. Fellas, not bringing home flowers for your wife. Folly. That lady right there said, Folly. Folly. All right, one more, one more. Here we go. Spending too much time on your phone when your loved ones are with you. That's folly. That's foolishness. We only have so much time, right? I'm guilty, by the way. I'm guilty. That that thing, so much information flows through it, so much data. We get so much information. I, I just encourage you to challenge yourself to put that thing down. Challenge to embrace the moment and be present in the moment. We always wanna fall on the side of wisdom. And as it relates to wisdom, nothing is more important than sound doctrine. Uh, I assume that, uh, that most of you here, we're gonna settle into to a spot here for just a few moments. We're gonna talk about Israel. I assume that most of you have uh, been watching the news at this moment uh, while we are here, enjoying uh, this beautiful building and uh, mints and coffee. Uh, the fighter jets are, are buzzing the tops of buildings in, uh, in the nation of Israel. There are tanks rolling. There are uh, soldiers in harm's way. There are uh, hostages, over 200 hostages, men, women, children, survivors of the Holocaust in their 90s. There are people hurting all over the world and specifically in the nation of Israel at this moment. And I wanna talk about Israel and Israel being a marker for the end times and what God says about this. Now, I wanna stop right here and explain that I am not an eschatologist. I, am not a doc- I do not have a doctorate in uh, eschatology or the study of the end times. I've read my Bible and I've walked with the Lord for many years, so I understand at some level uh, what is happening over there at least what God has, has allowed us to know. No man knows the time or the place. Don't fall for that. If anybody tells you that they've got the date and the week and the month, unfollow. Fast. Unfollow. Block. Don't let them send you any ads. After you unfollow them. The main reason that God encourages us to study prophecy is to lay a foundation for holy living. Holiness is not a bad word, church. It's not, God's holy, he said, you gotta be holy, I'm holy. So we have to strive for holiness, to understand and fear God. We need to have our lives cleaned up and ready when the trumpet sounds. Can I get an amen? Amen. We wanna live as if Christ is coming back in the next 10 minutes, but plan as if he's not coming for another thousand years. And nothing produces wisdom more than sound doctrine. I'm going to talk about the doctrine of imminence this morning or the study of the imminent return of Christ. There are no prophecies, zero prophecies left to be fulfilled before the rapture takes place. That's good news for you, the church. For me, we are the church We're the bride and he's coming for us. So there are zero. Now I say that to say this, getting too far out in left field on all of the details and allowing all of your focus to be poured into uh, how many heads the dragon has. That's okay. If you wanna study that, study that. Don't get hung up on that and miss the point. The point is this, that as these, these events unfold in Israel, What that means to us, because we're not gonna be here if you have a pre-tribulation view of things. We're not gonna be here when a a, a large majority of revelation happens. We're not gonna be here. So what's so important that that, that you understand here is when we talk about uh, about eminence and about Israel and about being a marker for the end times is that what is happening in Israel is actually moving the bar closer to the rapture of the church. When you see Israel begin to flare up, Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. Look up, your redemption draws nigh. That's right. That's right, that's what he said. So in the book of Titus, Paul is writing to Titus and instructing him about doctrine. He said, but as for you, and I wanna say my son, I feel like he was just his little disciple, Titus. But as for you, proclaim the things that are fitting for sound Doctrine and I would just like to say this and and begin with this with this statement Israel is God's covenant land and The Jews are God's covenant people if we serve God We have to understand that his people and his land are special to him and he has a covenant with them now I would like to also make a point the nation of Israel by and large is a secular society They have not, by and large, accepted the Messiah. And so if you ask me the question today, Pastor, would the people of Israel, should the rapture happen today, a non-believing Jew, would they go to heaven? My answer would be no. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and the only way to get to my Father is through me. It's basic, but it's truth. It's absolute truth. And we have to, Israel is, 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 God is no respecter of persons when it comes to this book. He's not. So I just want to be, be super, super, super duper clear with that. That being said, foolishness and folly would be the equivalent of not knowing God's heart for his people. Would you agree with that? So we study this today. We study and we begin to peel back. The word. On May the 14th, 1948, a miracle, an incredible miracle, occurred in this earth. From 70 AD, when Israel was destroyed and ram- ransacked into ruins, and the people of God were scattered. From 70 AD to 1948, the Jewish people were scattered all over the world. And prophecy after prophecy after prophecy from major, minor prophets, 2,500 years of prophesying, said that one day that my people, God's people, would be regathered. And on 19, in 1948, in the month of May, in one day, on the heels of the Holocaust that persecuted 6 million Jews... The nation of Israel, in one day, in one session in the United Nations, completely became uh, its own country again, its own institution again, and God put his country and his land back on the map. And that's a marker, that is a marker for what is happening in this earth and in this world today. You guys pray for me. This is a tough topic to discuss. It's tough. I pray that this word speaks loudly and clearly today. I'm also thankful that the United States of America was the first country to sign for the adoption of Israel to have their land. In fact, we think that maybe Ford and some of the larger companies in the, in the United States, Ford, Apple, Google that the reason that the United States is, is, is prosperous is because of our technology or, or how smart we are or how amazing our social media is or how innovative our minds are. Um, a lot of scholars believe, who, who, have studied, who have studied this, if you'll do, the, if you'll do the, the, the homework, they believe, and I do as well, that the United States has been blessed because the United States has blessed Israel. We have protected God's people and God's land. We have been an ally for them. And, and quite frankly, as, as we see the news unfolding, uh, I'm thankful and I'm grateful that our government is responding with, uh, w- with, with sound, sound support for the nation of Israel in a time that is, that is extraordinarily, um, extraordinarily tough for them. Don't you find it interesting that uh, there are more rockets and missiles aimed at a tiny strip of land in the Middle East than anywhere else on the world, in, in, in the world. I, isn't that amazing? We've got all of these world powers. We're not, fighting against, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. The nation of Israel will fit into the state of Alabama six times. Come on, somebody. And, and there are thousands of rockets aimed at this little strip of dirt. It's because God said it was going to be that way. That's why it said it. That, that, that's why it, it, it's working out that way because God said that these things were going to happen. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, not the partial armor. We're gonna need every bit of it. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle Against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities in the, in the ESV, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's not just a mechanical war, it's a spiritual war. All of the aircraft carriers have pulled up in the Persian Gulf, and armies around the world are, are honing in on the nation of Israel. And God said that was going to happen, and it's happening as we speak. Stay awake. Stay awake. Be awake, be aware, be aware. We're not fighting, and the people of Israel are not fighting against the aircraft carriers and the planes, they're fighting against the principalities and the powers of darkness that control those apparatuses. It's easy to see that in I mean, in, the job, in our office. Anybody ever had a difficult coworker to deal with? This isn't in my notes, by the way. <laughs> you have know that one person that just, ugh, <laughs> it, let's, look here the faster that you can, can, can sink into the wisdom side of things and, and, and shed that foolishness and understand that that person is hurt and broken and that there might be a spirit in there that's pulling the strings that doesn't like your spirit wisdom versus folly the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom This is nothing new. This war is nothing new. There have been 70 million Christians martyred since the time of Christ. I can't even begin to wrap my arms around that number. The voice of the martyrs and and reputable um, associations that follow and track those things. I'm thankful that one day when the trumpet sounds the dead in Christ rise first, that we're gonna to get to reconnect with some of our brothers and sisters who have gone before us, the missionaries in the jungle, in the bush, the brothers and sisters in the Middle East. Can you imagine how many Palestinian Christians in the last 10, 20, 30 years have been martyred for their faith in the Middle East? Can you imagine? You remember when ISIS came on the scene and they were executing Christians? on video. Do you guys remember that? How quickly our our, our minds fade away. It's such a spiritual battle. Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael, Isaac. I'm not going to take you all the way back, but in Genesis 12, God said to Abraham, look, I'm going to take you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And this is where wisdom and folly comes in. Remember Abraham and Sarah, God said, I'm going to give you a son. It's just Connect the dots here. I'm gonna give you a son. They got impatient. Sarah said, hey, Abraham, sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. They had a child. The name of that child was Ishmael. That was not the son of promise. That was not the son that that God promised them. And through through persevering, God said, I told you I was gonna give you a son, gave him Isaac. And to this day, Isaac is the father of Israel basically Abraham's the father of Israel but it is um, is, is a piece that goes in the direction uh, of Israel and to this day Ishmael is the father of Islam you see how that works and they have fought and until God ties the whole thing up and puts a bow on it and says I'm finished my word is complete they will fight they will fight it's biblical that they will. I was uh, playing golf last week um, at, a, at a, a, a course that was much nicer than my ability to play golf. For, for all you golfers, you understand. And I love being in, in these charity tournaments because you get a, a captive audience with four or five people that you don't know. Like there's three or four or five people, the caddy and the rest of your group. And you're with them for like four or five hours. And so, you know, a few holes in, you kind of start to, Start to witness a little bit, get to know them, earn the right to be heard, and start to say a few things. and And we were on one of the greens, about three or four, three or four holes in. I said, "Have you guys been watching what's going on in Israel?" Just trying to get a, some feedback. A couple of them said, "Yeah, yeah, man, whoo. brutal." Like, "Yeah, can you believe that?" And and, and 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 you know, all of them, you know, kind of they they slung an ear my way, but that was about it. I said, "Can you believe?" Can you believe that we really could, could be living in the end times? And, and again, a couple of them were like pondering. And literally, as I said that, two of the guys looked at their putt and said, do you think that's gonna break right? <laughs> or left? That happened. We can't be... Asleep at the wheel church. We have to understand what this book says about us, the church. The rapture of the church. Let's talk about it. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So those who are dead in Christ We're not going to go before them. He's he's mapping this out uh, for the church of Thessalonica. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord Forever, therefore, encourage one another with these words. I am here to encourage you with these words today. You don't have to worry about this guy standing in the pulpit and saying it hasn't happened for two thousand years. So I don't have to. I don't happen to think it's happening for another two thousand. That is incorrect. The markers are in place, and I am looking to the sky, and I believe that literally, at any moment, we could be out of here. We could hear a trumpet. We could hear a trumpet. And we could hear the archangel of the Lord saying, it's time, it is time, let's go. There's gonna be a reunion in the air. I think about the number of, of funerals that I've done, Reagan, the number of people, the faces that, that I see that, 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 that we have buried, in, in, in the dead in Christ. And they're no longer gonna be buried. They're coming out of the grave and we're gonna see them come first and we're gonna be standing around like, what was that noise and who are these people? What is going on? And it's going to take you just a minute, and I believe that your spirit will immediately, immediately sync up with what's happening in the moment. There's going to be a reunion in the air, in the air with our loved ones, with the dead in Christ who have gone before us. We're going to see them again, and then we will meet Jesus face to face. Paul said, encourage my people with these words. 2,000 years ago he said it the disciples didn't see the return. We might. In fact, I'll just tell you, I believe, I believe in my lifetime without a doubt that it could happen without a doubt. Why would you think otherwise when there's zero prophecy left to be fulfilled? Ask yourself that question. Then there will be an apostasy, a great turning away from truth. That's what an apostasy is. Have we seen in our nation, in this world, a great turning away from truth? Somebody testify that we have seen a great, a great turning away from this book. The people of this country and quite frankly, some churches have turned a deaf ear on the word of God. And when the church is raptured. The rise of the Antichrist will will happen because a hundred percent of Christians are going to instantly be gone and chaos is going to ensue. The tribulation is seven years. It will begin at that point. Let's look at the obvious real quick. The Antichrist will control the world with money. We know that from scripture. Because we'll be buying and selling, and we'll have to have—not us, but the world—will have to have the mark of the beast in order to buy. So, how many of you are aware that we're in the first generation of people who can go to any continent and take that credit card out of your out of your uh, your pocket, and you can put that credit card on on a on one of those uh, machines, and you can press it, and that machine will read that chip, and in less than a second approve a purchase for you in. Turkey, in Canada, and probably in Antarctica through a satellite. These things, the internet, the artificial intelligence, all of this is in play. We are the first generation. You say, well, well, how come it hasn't happened? We're the first generation to see the network that's been built out. Knowledge is increasing. Now every 13 days it doubles because these server rooms <laughs> of data are just just compounding information. I'm skipping down to to verse seven. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit is holding things back. When the church is raptured and the Holy Spirit moves away, the tribulation begins, the Antichrist uh, is revealed, we will be gone, but the wheels begin to turn in motion. There is extensive travel, that is also prophetic, We've gone from a Model T in 1908 to international air travel and now space travel. I saw a Google car with nobody driving it pulling out of uh, California Dreaming this week. Anybody else seen that car driving around? Pulled out into five lanes of traffic. Crazy. The tribulation is seven years total, the year three and a half, There will be an event called the Abomination of Desolation where the Antichrist is in the rebuilt temple of God in Jerusalem and makes a sacrifice that is an absolute abomination to God. And that abomination, the action on that abomination per Daniel 9.27 will bring complete calamity. And scripture tells us that the next three and a half years will be the worst three and a half years that this world could ever see, think, or imagine. That is what is that is what is coming, that's what the prophets have foretold. And then finally, before we move into our closing, the battle of Gog and Magog, five years ago or so, I preached an end time message on Gog Magog, which is outlined in the, uh, in, in the, the book of Ezekiel in chapters 38 and 39. And at the time, I couldn't pinpoint from a teaching standpoint, I couldn't reason out and, and connect all of the dots how a region of Gog Magog would attack and, and, and directly attack the nation of Israel. I couldn't. That was, that was the one kind of missing link. And in that battle, the nation of Persia, which is modern day Iran, also will attack the nation of Israel. And Gog Magog is in the geographical location, the bear to the north, if you, if you do, your, do your study, of modern-day Russia. In 2,500 years of existence on this earth, modern-day Russia has never had an alliance with Persia. Until now. Until now. Iran is supplying drones and other war Um, war apparatus for the Ukraine war and they have become very very close allies and God says I will put a hook in the mouth of that uh, of that country that leader and like a a, uh, in, in old times they would take a hook and they would move their animals around because wherever that hook goes if you had a hook in your mouth you'd go there too and he said I'll put a hook in the mouth and I will pull them down to fight against my people and I will utterly destroy them. God is in control. They're not really gonna, what he's saying there is, they're not really gonna wanna come fight against Israel but they're gonna be drug into it. Can you see that kind of, just kind of laid out? Can can, can you see that? What does the bride of Jesus look like, i.e. what do we look like? Let's talk about it. One of the more um, awesome Uh, things in any of my sermon prep that that I've ever experienced landed here. And I believe for, for that reason, I really believe that God has a word for you and for this church today because I saw it unfold as I was preparing. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is describing the end times to his disciples. In Matthew 25, Jesus goes to tell us that half of the churches are not going to make the cut in the rapture. Yes. That's a big uh oh. That's trouble. Remember there were no no verses or chapters in scripture at the time Jesus was talking. So he rolls out of verse out of uh, Matthew twenty four to twenty five. And we pick up at the parable of the ten virgins. I want you to pay very close attention. I did not plan this in in, uh, in, in my preparation. At the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. 10 churches. Five of them were what? Filled with folly. And five were? Filled with wisdom. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The lamp throughout Scripture, as you know, is symbolic. It's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, right? The lamps weren't ready. The lamps had been altered. The lamps had been adultered. The Word had not been cared for. We're not going to lean left or lean right. We're leaning on this. And we will call sin, sin. I love Pastor Reagan. I love the fact that he stands up here. He's an amazing Bible teacher. He's an amazing Bible teacher every single week. And I'm getting ready to run over Reagan. We've already talked about this. They won't say anything about pastor appreciation. Churches around the country are celebrating pastor appreciation month. They won't do it because, because they're both all about Jesus. But I just happened to get a microphone turned on today. And it's attached to my hip and stuck to my face. And I think it would be a great time to tell our pastors how wonderful they are and how much we appreciate them. Wonderful people. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. They were prepared. The wise were prepared. The wise churches. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. One problem the foolish one said to the wise, hey, I'm going to need some oil. Nope. <laughs> and actually, ma'am, when I was reading through this, I thought, my Lord, that is, that is abrupt. But you know, what the, you know what the wise church said? Uh-uh. It's too late if you've, to, if you've torn apart this book and headed the wrong direction with it. There's nothing I can do for you. That's what the wise church said to the unwise church. They said, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There must, there may not be enough for both us and you. Notice, notice the church that knew the word was not going to, they weren't going to run out of oil. They had a wedding to go to somebody instead go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But whilst they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. Come on now. We are the church. Listen, this is a parable to us. This is God speaking to us today. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. Let us in. But he replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour. What kind of church are we going to be? What kind of church are we? Because we make up the church. Are Are we founded in our doctrine? Do we know the truth of this word? Do we know it without a shadow of a doubt? With unwavering confidence. Do we know? Because Jesus himself said, only half are coming. And if you look even across our city in the CSRA today, you can see very quickly, there are churches disaffiliating themselves with movements. Large churches who have been staples in this, in this city for many, many years. And they're saying, no, 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 no. That's an, that, that is an abomination. I am out. We are out. We have to protect this word. We have to protect it. And I'm thankful that the fear of the Lord brings conviction. If you get to a place, friend, where you're not convicted, I worry about you. I worry about you because that phone that I was talking about a minute ago, we can be sitting and I'm I'm looking at our fantasy football team. I'm an an addict. I'm an addict the fantasy football all my friends want me to play forgive me and ads and information from the enemy that is a direct assault on our walk with Jesus fill our screens i'm thankful for the conviction of the holy spirit it says I, 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 I. put that thing down i'm thankful i'm far from perfect but I am thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to put guardrails up in my life so that I don't put it completely in the ditch. Hallelujah. And finally, the ultimate goal is to be so familiar with truth that we can separate the true from the untrue. Aren't we thankful that we have a savior today? A reverent, healthy fear of the Lord brings hope. It should build our faith and inspire us as believers to live holy lives in the fear of God. What kind of church are we going to be? Are we going to be ready with the oil and the wicks trimmed? Are we? It's a question. I believe that this day was orchestrated from the beginning of time. And I wanna give you an opportunity. Pastor Reagan and Joy, one of the things that, when when we moved here, one of the things that I loved was that the church would respond. You saw how many churches are dead. This church is alive. Look, why couldn't this be a hub of the next revival? Why couldn't, who says no? I would like you, at this point in time, I would love to fill these altars and to pray for the nation of Israel because God said to do it. I would love to pray for those who are in need, who need healing spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. I'm gonna ask you to respond on the count of three. One, two, three, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's pray. Don't be ashamed. He's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. Let's be repented. Let's repent if there is a need for repentance. On a beautiful day where we take communion, we acknowledge the blood and the body of Jesus. I've failed so many times, but the mercy and the grace of Jesus are so extravagant. They're so extravagant and all reaching. And what Ever your situation is today, would you just hear this? God is exceedingly and abundantly able to do more than you can ever even think or imagine in that moment. So let's pray together. Let's pray together. Let's pray for Israel. Lord, we come to you right now. We ask you first for the soul of Israel God, that the people in that nation would come to know you and accept you as the Christ, accept you as the Messiah, the Messianic Jews and the the Christians who are there, Lord, today, I pray that you would resource them and that in this moment, in this time, Lord, that they would be used to reach your people. God, we just lift them up and we pray during this time of war, God, that they would be strengthened, that they would have all of the tools that they need. We pray for the nation of Israel, for the peace. Israel And ultimately with the salvation of Israel, that you would protect the women and the children, the elderly, Lord. God, for every need that is here, and I know in my spirit that there are many, for emotional hurt, God, I pray that you would heal and fix in only a way that you can heal and fix. In Jesus' name. God, where there are physical ailments, Lord, I've seen healings take place with my own eyes and I pray that you would anoint this people right now. We are hungry for a move of you. Those who are in need, I pray that you would touch their bodies by the power of your Holy Spirit. Those who are mentally tormented today, those who have been attacked by the enemy, I pray, Lord, that you would restore their sanity and sound mind. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the enemy In Jesus name, we'll be a church without spot or wrinkle. We won't be perfect, but in the blood of Jesus and through the lens of the Messiah, we will be clean. In Jesus name, in Jesus name, we ask for healing. We ask God for intervention in the lives and in the situations that are beyond our control. Nothing is beyond your control. And so we submit to that today. We ask for your power and your touch and your healing, God. Holy Spirit, come and do your work. Do your work and be done. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.